Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Control. Come on, you know better. 
you knew that you needed to get that under control. And uh, that kind of pushes us into the switch tip of the week where uh, Shanti's told us to get rid of the persona. Yes, there we are. There we have it. The fact that, you know, you were addicted, as you say, to wanting, you know, all that attention and, you know, how it made you look. And and that's what the persona is. You know, how you look. And you have every bit of control of that. You have every bit of control about how that makes you feel. Because at the end of the day, regardless of how it makes you feel, how you look to God is the biggest issue. Not how you look to people. Because, you know, I'm going to give it to you from both sides. On one side, you have the women who made you, you know, feel all that great. And as far as you were concerned, you looked good and you felt good. And that persona of always you know, being the apple of somebody's eye and always catching their attention and always looking good and all of that kind of stuff, that's what you were feeling. So that's the persona that you were happy with. And on the flip side of that, we're really worrying about somebody else's, you know, uh, uh, how people feed us and how other people make us feel. Is that what we're worried about? Are we also concerning ourselves with the fact that other people don't stop us? You know, because maybe they don't catch that your persona is so shallow that, you know, we need to, you know, intervene. So, come on, let's get ourselves together now and get rid of that persona because at the end of the day, it's not going to do anything for us but drag us down. Okay? All righty. Well, let's talk about a Tuesday church folk day. Rolled around, and we talked about that Texas fugitive that uh, was standing outside on his porch, shooting up the place, and ended up killing the family because they asked him to be quiet, to not wake the baby. And, uh,. He had been deported five different times. Yes, five. Once before, five times. And, you know, it, it's really a shame that our Border Patrol has done such a poor job that uh, someone can get in and out of this country five separate times. Well, Pastor K.L. asked his church for question. Well, we converted it into a church for question. You know, why do women, uh, I got to send you back to listen. I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to give it up. Go back and listen and find out what the question was for the church folk. Yes, 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 yes. Well, wow, Wednesday rolled around and we had a little short day, but we did not, we did not cut it so short that we could not talk about the husband and father uh, whose family his wife ran away with his family um, that you know (laughs) into a cult that ultimately ended up being a cult Uh, she was pregnant when she left and uh, 
later found out that his family had died and he was still looking for them, didn't know that they were no longer here, and the people who had kind of escaped the cult told him that they had been buried in a forest and unfortunately he would never see them again. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that you understood that, you know, a church and a cult are two different things. And a lot of times cults will mask themselves as a church. So we got to be very careful who we decide to follow. Okay? Okay. Well, on Therapeutic Thursday, we had our girlfriend, our sister, our minister, Gertie Gordy. And ooh-wee, we got to talking about the signs of damaged hair and how we can protect our hair from being damaged by the heat. And the caveat that we walked away with was heat is ultimately not bad for your hair. Well, there was another big caveat that we walked away with, and uh, (laughs) that's the fact that we don't dry our hair properly. And now it's a breeding ground for all kinds of bacteria and subsequently infection. So, oh, you got to go back and listen to that one. All right? Well, Friday. Freestyle Friday rolled around and we had our men. And uh, we talked about the, the family that was murdered by the 39-year-old ex-con and uh, how mom invited this man into her family and how, you know, he took over, oh boy, and ended up not only killing the family but killing two friends of one of the children and the men really blessed us by just talking about how we need to, as women, protect our families from these men, how we need to protect our own lives from these men. And uh, please, ladies, please, you know, you want to go back and listen, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, how we get close to women, you talk to a woman. If you want to know how to get close to a man, you got to talk to the man. Okay, well, yesterday, woo, the Word Prayer Project had a different kind of look. We were out in the great old land of the Bronx at City Island here in New York, and we did a wonderful pray for them. Yes, yes, Shanti scouted out a, a family who is in uh, uh, no, uh, just a, hmm, it just had an, just, just, just a list of things that they wanted to pray about, and it was just a fantastic experience, um, just being out and about and, you know, taking some prayer requests, and for those of you who sent in your prayer requests, we did have a glitch with our stream yard, but we didn't quite see, um, uh, 
we did see the prayer requests that came through, but could not read them. So we're going to hold on to them, God spares, until next week. But I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. And we pray continually for those who have to suffer with depression and anxiety. And listen, don't let the enemy take over your life. Come on and talk to Pastor Steph. You know how to get in touch with me. You can DM me at Coach or Christian Life over on Facebook. Coach, the number four, Christian Life at Yahoo.com. Please reach out. You know how to get in touch with us each and every morning. Each and every morning here on this due time with Pastor Steph. You know, we do care about you, and we definitely will lift you up in prayer. All righty? So listen, that's how we spent last week and the start of this week. We are shaking the Monday morning blues again, thanks to the all-powerful, almighty God himself. If it were not for him, we would not be here to say good morning to you. We've got... A guest for you this morning. Well, he's family at this point. So go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go nowhere because we will be right back. on us to stop sexual assault to get in the way before it happens to get a friend home safe and to not blame the victim it's on us to look out for each other to, to not, not look, look the other way. way it's on us to stand up to step in to take responsibility it's on us all of us to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault learn how and take the pledge at it's on us.org Okay, all righty. 
Well, you know what morning and what Monday this is, as we have our guest, our friend, all with us, our Dr. Pierre Gordon, and uh, let's say good morning to Dr. Gordon. Good morning, Dr. Gordon. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, 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 and more good. You know, I know that you are a regular by this time here on his due time with Pastor Steph, but there are some brand-new listeners. And let me tell you what I, who I met yesterday. I met a young lady, Dr. Gordon, in um, City Island. We were talking, and she said she wanted to be a nurse. So I asked her, what kind of nurse do you want to be? And she said, labor. I said, oh, OBGYN. She said, yes. And I said, well, guess who we got on the show tomorrow? So I said all of that to say, you're, you know, you're our friend, but you're making new friends each and every time you come on. So you're going to have to take just a little bit of time and tell the listeners who have never met you before who you are. Who's Dr. Pierre Gordon? Well, good morning to all the new listeners. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dr. Pierre Gordon. I am a obstetrician gynecologist and also a cosmetic surgeon. So I'm here to help share some knowledge in various fields in many ways. Oh. Now, Dr. Pierre Gordon has been a true blessing to us as we have covered so many different um, topics here on his due time with Pastor Steph, and he has given us so much information. And this month, I was doing a little research and kind of going with what some of our listeners have sent in as questions and things like that. And, excuse me, pelvic pain, chronic pelvic pain came up, you know, and I don't want you to go into any specific details because what we're going to do for all of you is we're going to go down the line of some of the reasons why you'll have chronic pelvic pain. And, you know, with us ladies, you know, we don't take as long to go to the doctors as men do, but sometimes we drag our feet. So I definitely wanted to attack this, especially considering that somebody did write in and and ask about this topic. But, Dr. Gordon, can you just give us an overall picturesque of what pelvic pain um, is about? And we'll go over some of uh, the causes. So pelvic pain covers a lot of different etiologies, a lot of different causes. Um, So, yeah, it's broad. It could be anything from endometriosis to um, sexually transmitted infections causing adhesions. It could be fibroids. 
um, and even depression will also cause chronic pain. So there is a variety of things that can possibly cause. So each one has different treatments and also how to diagnose them. Doctor Brandon, did you just say? Wait, did you just say um, depression could cause pelvic pain? I did. Wow! Oh no, we gotta start there. Oh my goodness, you would never guess. I'm gonna tell you in private why this particular uh, piece of information is just like so critical to our knowledge. Oh my goodness! Why would depression affect that part of our body? First of all, let's talk about the pelvic area. What is that for people who really are not familiar with, you know, that terminology or what that means? All right. So pelvic area is your figure. It's your lower half. Um, say your belly button down for the best part. Um, the organs are inside. Really, your uterus, your ovaries. Lower down there, you also have your intestines, um, depending on the person, likely their appendix as well. So all those organs together can be affected in one way or the other and be affecting one another and causing pelvic pain. So generally, those are things I was talking about. Uterus, ovaries, um, intestines, and bladder. Wow. All righty. So now that you have helped us understand where the pelvic area is, why would depression affect our pelvic area? So in psychology, psychiatry, there's something called somatization. Um, that really is where a psychological issue is manifesting itself into a physical issue. Um, and a lot of times that can be in the form of pain. And it's not necessarily just pelvic pain, it can be pain in those parts of the body. Um, but pelvic pain certainly is one of the manifestations of depression. So someone may have this complaint of chronic pelvic pain, um, and you do a full workup and there's nothing else going on, except for the fact that they may be depressed. So it's wow. not the first thing that I go to as far as a diagnosis, but certainly have to keep in mind that it is certainly causal. The, that kind of, I guess, brings us to this point where depression is being diagnosed much more now than it was ever before. And it certainly is something that is prevalent, something that needs to be Asked about, talked about. When I see a patient and I'm taking their history, I'm, one of the things I ask is, do you have any medical issues? Often people will say no. But I also go a step further and ask any history of anxiety or depression. I probably say, I don't know, maybe would say, yes, I do have anxiety or depression. And that people don't volunteer that information a lot of times. Something that has to be asked. Wow. I guess my wow. point is that it's it's a good idea to be open about that. Um, I know there years ago there has been stigma around anxiety and depression, but understanding that it affects your overall health and it can have effects on other parts of your body, so it certainly is important to 
share that with your doctor. Um, and for us to know that it can certainly affect other places, especially the pelvic area, and cause pain. Wow, wow, wow. Dr. Gordon, you within five minutes just dropped, I mean, something heavy in the room. And, you know, years ago we used to sing that song, This Bone Connected to the That Bone. And although these are not bones, everything, you know, you're just solidifying that everything in our body is just so connected. And like you said, we don't volunteer this information because we simply don't think it's attached or it's connected or it has any, you know, there's no cause and effect. There's no, you know, nothing that says that what's going on in my head or, you know, what's happening is affecting the rest of my body, especially a particular um, area like the pelvic area. We would never connected to. So I'm just so glad that, you know, we even started off, you know, with that issue and, you know, how many doctors would really end up asking that question. So, yeah, it's it's not one of the first things that would come to mind. It's certainly not the first thing to diagnose uh, because you have to look at all the other physical possible causes. Um, and when somebody comes in for pelvic pain, of course, we're doing a physical exam. I'm looking to see if there are any masses, if there are any, any fullness, if there's just something that's picking up a lot of space within the pelvis that should be. Um, and, of course, we're doing an ultrasound, um, so that gives us an, an image of what's going on inside and, and give us some more information as well. So it's really only after we've ruled out any physical causes of pelvic pain and we have signs of depression that we would say that yes, this pelvic pain is certainly likely due to the depression. Wow. So let me ask you this. Dr. Gordon, so once you've done all your workup and all of this, you know, and you don't find anything and then you end up coming to um, the conclusion that this is um, an issue that is stemming from depression and or anxiety, however, you know, you, you give that information, what do you now tell your patient? What does she have to do? Um, so, again, I have to see if there's already a diagnosis of depression, which that patient already has a psychiatrist and a therapist that they are being treated by. And that's good. They have patched into um, those services already. And it's a matter of making sure that their depression is better treated. There may need to be some medication that needs to be adjusted, or if they're not on medication, to have medication started. Um, and also the therapy with the therapist, just really working out the issues that are manifesting themselves as the pelvic pain. All righty. Woo! We're off to a start, Dr. Gordon. I, I'm blown away by that one. I got to tell you, I don't know how many of the listeners are blown away, but Stephanie is definitely, because I'm telling you, that is the fur, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, 
so thank you for even introducing um, us to, you know, that fact um, that we definitely need to speak, you know, broadly. I can't tell you how many times I have a habit, Dr. Gordon, of just, um, how do I say it? I'm just chatting. When I go to the doctor, I'm just always chatting. Always. I don't know why. It just blah, 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 blah. And do you know how many times the doctor has, like, stopped and said, wait a minute, such and such a thing? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, that makes sense now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but only because I'm just chatting. My mouth just never stops when I go to the It's not intentional. And And what you're showing me is... You're kind of proving what's happened in the past, that every little piece of information counts. You know, we, yeah. again, we disconnect from, you know, what's logical in our own mind. Oh, I don't have to say that because, you know, that doesn't matter. I'm here to see an OBGYN or a gynecologist or, you know, and here I am not realizing that I'm actually answering and connecting the dots for this doctor, you know, without even realizing it. So, ladies, gentlemen, yeah. it is so imperative that we really just offer the information, whether we think, you know, it's connected or not. Now, I know that might be loaded for you, Dr. Gordon, right, because now that turns a five-minute <laughs> five visit into sometimes a 20-minute visit, but... I don't know. I'm just blown away. You just don't even understand. I'm just really blown away today. Um, but, you know, I'm yeah, happy speak I up. <laughs> you know, speak up, people. Speak up. All right. We are, we're talking today about chronic pelvic pain and some of the causes of that pain. And you started off with the um, endometriosis. We've talked about endometriosis um, on here with Dr. Gordon before, so we definitely want to um, send you back to listen to, you know, Dr. Gordon. I'm going to have to go and get that episode, and I'll give it to you tomorrow morning, God spares, um, the, the episode where Dr. Gordon spoke about the endometriosis. But today we're focusing on the chronic pain aspect of endometriosis. So, Dr. Gordon, really quickly, you know, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of telling us again what endometriosis is and why there would possibly be some chronic pain in the pelvic area because of this condition. So endometriosis is when the gland from the uterine lining, the tissue that grows inside the uterus, sometimes that travels outside of the uterus and implants in other areas in the body. Sometimes it can attach itself to the ovaries, or it can attach itself to the pelvic wall, or it can attach itself to the intestines. Now, those glands are responsive to estrogen. So during the month where your estrogen levels are elevated, those glands get activated, and it causes inflammation, which will cause pain. As the estrogen levels drop, then the amount of pain decreases, especially once the period goes away. So that's endometriosis, and that's how it causes pelvic pain. It's usually diagnosed mostly by history, 
um, and also your response to treatment, which usually would be some hormonal treatment like the birth control pills to try to control the hormone fluctuations and decrease some of that inflammation in the flares that occur with um, endometriosis. So that's where we are with that one. All righty. So when you have endometriosis and pelvic pain, um, you that would come a lot. Would that be attached again to like maybe the amount of blood flow that's coming out? Does that um, the 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 heavier the blood flow would that possibly um, cause more pelvic pain? Not necessarily. Um, okay. The heavy blood flow can be due to a number of other causes. Um, something called adenomyosis, not endometriosis, but adenomyosis, which is like endometriosis except the glands at that point are within the muscle. They're not outside the uterus. They're still within the uterus, but they move into the muscle. So at that point, there is more pain and more bleeding with the with periods. So if you're dealing with adenomyosis, yes, you can have more um, more bleeding. You can have certainly much more pain with periods. But endometriosis itself is not necessarily connected with heavier bleeding. Okay. Well, ironically, adenomyosis. Say it again, Dr. Dr. Okay. Well, that particular condition was the next one on my list. I was just trying to look at it and figure out how to make, how could I say this properly without jacking it up. Okay. One of the things that I did notice about this particular condition, it says this doesn't have symptoms. So... No, not so much except for the heavy periods and the painful periods. Um, and that's not to say that everybody who has heavy periods and painful periods has that in normalosis. That's just one of the ones that I present. Um, but it is, I would diagnose that in someone who comes in saying they have really heavy periods, they're going through a lot of pads in a day, um, they're being heavy, they're sorting their clothes, they're sorting their sheets. Um, and really the diagnosis is made when you're getting imaging, an ultrasound or an MRI, at which point they'll tell you that the uterine wall itself does not look regular, doesn't look smooth, it looks um, sort of patchy, if you will, where we see the glands within the muscle where they're not supposed to be. That's how we make the diagnosis of adenomyosis. Okay, okay. And what... Is there anything that particularly causes this endomyosis? Adenomyosis at this I'm point? I'm sorry. I, no, no, no. It's fine. Um, no, I can't tell you that. I'm aware of any particular ideology that we can say is definitely causing adenomyosis or endometriosis particularly. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. All right, one of the other uh, conditions that they say could cause uh, chronic pelvic pain is interstitial cystosis. Say it, so you have to say this for me. Uh, I will. It's interstitial cystitis. 
Okay. <laughs> okay, now what is that? <laughs> what is that? So I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to get this right. What is that and why would it cause the chronic pelvic pain? All right. Um, so cystitis has to do with the bladder. Cysts, bladder, itis, inflammation. So inflammation of the bladder. Um, so as I said, another organ is in the pelvic area that can be an issue. Uh, in this particular case, it's basically inflammation of the bladder that's causing the chronic pelvic pain. Um, that one sometimes amazes and you need to a urologist to take a better look. Um, and there are various medications that can be used to try to treat that. But that's basically where that one comes from, is the bladder. Okay. And, and is there any so along with that, uh, to, I don't know, segue from that one, pretty much you also have urinary tract infection, especially a chronic urinary tract infection. It can also cause some other pain to the point where it can go up the ureters and into the kidneys and cause um, a kidney infection as well. So that's something else to consider. So if I'm looking at something like that, certainly one of the things I'm doing is sending for your culture and your analysis, taking a look at that. Um, worst case scenario, to be bladder cancer, that can also be a big decision. As far as things that might be causing pain within the bladder. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back because you must be over here reading my notes because the next <laughs> condition I had was urinary tract infection. I'm like, oh my goodness, is he over here stealing like my notes or something? Okay, and now here's an interesting. Um, there's, there were definitely questions I wanted to talk about in regards to um, this particular condition because, like you said, this can lead to kidney infection. This can lead to bladder infection. Now, the urinary tract infection, can we kind of zero in on this a little bit, please? So what causes is that that's that bacteria that kind of flows into your urinary tract, right? Yes. So it's usually bacteria that will cause um, an infection. So bacteria um, will get into the urinary tract. Um, so usually we start with the urethra. Someone will talk about having burning with urination, uh, needing to go to the bathroom a lot, not being able to hold it, just like to drip a little before you get there. Um, they could have tenderness, to palpation. So if I'm pressing down uh, in that pelvic area, there may be a little tender, a little uncomfortable there. Um, that's when it's gone up to cause a cystitis, that's an infection. Um, and again, if left untreated enough, then it can actually go up the ureters and cause a kidney infection, at which point the pain is certainly higher. Um, it's called, it would give us what we call CVE tendency where pressing on your back has jumping. So wow. left untreated enough, it causes other issues. Wow. Here's another reason why I thought this was really interesting, and again, not realizing that this is connected to that with your other condition we were talking about earlier, but this here. There's two questions I want to ask. Well, there's one, but one point I want to make. Um, to your point earlier, this urinary tract infection 
causes hallucination, they say. I've had, uh, especially older, in old, well, I've had, they, they've said it, they've said it, they've said it. Now, you can dispel whether there's some real truth to this or not, but in older people, I happen to, especially I've, I've experienced this with my mother, my grandmother, and a couple of other older people I knew, where they were not quite, you know, right. Um, you know, they were saying things that weren't, you know, actual and one of the things that kind of triggered after a while, my mother kept having these urinary tract infections. And one of the things that we kind of linked because of what they told us, Dr. Gordon, we would notice when she started talking like a little differently and things like that. And then, like you said, the, the some of the other things she was complaining about, um, then we were like, okay, we think we need to get this checked out because this may be the reason why. Now you went, eh? Why'd you go, eh? <laughs> so I wouldn't say that it's impossible. I think there are certainly many different causes of that. Um, and as you said, you were talking specifically about your mother. So the elderly would be the population where that might be a consideration. Um, now, I'm not a geriatrician, so they probably would be able to speak a little bit more um, to that particular phenomenon. Um, but one of the things that can cause hallucinations is certainly medication. So it's possible that some of the medication that may be on can cause hallucinations. That's not to say that the urinary tract infection itself and it's just not something that I can certainly speak to in television. Okay, okay. Well, here's the question that I did have when, uh, because years ago, let's talk about this, Dr. Gordon, let's talk about this. Years ago, they used to call, and I haven't heard it, and that's why I'm saying they used to. I haven't heard it in more recent years, but years ago, they used to call UTIs, the urinary tract infection, honeymoon disease. <laughs> Yeah, I heard yeah that. see, I know you remember. We, uh, you would remember that because we've got to be around the same age. So I'm like, I gotta ask him about this. <laughs> Tell us why they used to call it a honeymoon. We're all adults here. Why did they call it a honeymoon disease? So it's actually honeymoon cystitis. Okay, honeymoon. Okay, they didn't use that word. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I can tell you that was loud because I surely would have asked them. What does that mean? Okay, so yeah. honeymoon cystitis. Yes. So again, it's cystitis, inflammation of the bladder. Basically, it's a urinary tract infection from having sex. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Yep. That's what it is. Um, what was that? Go ahead. No, I said that's what they used to say. They used to say, well, the reason why at that time, now we're talking, Dr. Gordon, we're talking an easy 30 years ago. That's what that's what they used to say. Uh, and you were kind of embarrassed. People wouldn't, wouldn't tell people that they had been diagnosed with a urinary tract infection because that's the first thing a person would say to them. Oh, you got the honeymoon disease. And nobody wanted to, nobody <laughs> know that they had, you know, something from sex. You know, because now all of a sudden now it's like, Somebody's dirty or unclean, no, no, you know, no, no, no. and I and, and no, that's why I'm bringing it up because we don't know what's circulating. They may not be, like I said, I haven't heard this in years, but 
I don't know what's circulating. I'm 56 years old. Mm-hmm. I ain't having no sex. So this kind of conversation wouldn't come up with it's Stephanie's arena. Uh, so I uh, don't help us yeah. understand why, you know, that's not necessarily true. And that's why we love having people like yourself on because you can kind of help clarify a lot of this stuff that's going around. So why wouldn't you subscribe to that? All right, so a honeymoon status is not a sexually transmitted infection. All right, um, they call it honeymoon status. I guess the history behind that is people who are having sex for the first time are on their honeymoon, and then they end up getting your transmitted infection because um, they started having sex. <laughs> really, all it is is from all the activity, bacteria moving up into the urinary tract. That's pretty much it. It's not an STD. It's not that somebody's dirty or anything like that. It just happens. And if it happens, the doctor gives you some antibiotics, clears that up, and then that's that. And that's not to say that it can't happen again. Right. Shoot it. You right. have honeymoon cystitis, then something is going right in your life. You have sex. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> I mean, that's that at the end of it. That's what it is. And you're going in the right direction. Well, the, the best part about it is you have cleared up the fact that, you know, again, what's on the street is what's on the street. And you know how it goes. It's like playing telephone. Uh, Dr. Gordon, it starts off with one thing, and before you know it, it trickles down to a few more people, through a few more people, and now it's just this explosive, you know, list of things that people add to it. Why do, and here's my question, thank you for clarifying that, though, why do uh, um, elderly people, why is this so common in the elder um, arena, seems like? Um, well, urinary tract infections themselves can happen in um, in the elderly population. And as I said, if it moves up the urinary tract from the bladder to the ureters and to the kidney, it can cause something called urosepsis, um, where bacteria is pretty much all over the body. And that, that's when it can actually cause hallucinations and mental status changes and things like that. So that's more in the elderly. Um, I think it's just related more to lack of movement. Again, I'm not a geriatrician, so they can talk a little bit more about that. But that's where um, urinary tract infections and all its associated issues come to play with the elderly. Okay. Um, Now, I'd like to take a step back to the cystitis part. Now, we talked about honeymoon cystitis, where it's not something to necessarily be alarmed about. It's just something to get treated. Now, at the same time, on the other end of that, urinary tract infections and urethritis can also be a manifestation of gonorrhea and chlamydia infections. Mm. Okay. So that's the other side of that. Um, of course, we're doing uh, urine cultures to look to see what's growing out of that. We just need to make sure that's not one of the causes. So, of course, see your doctor, do cultures, uh, public cultures, do the urine culture, and then just to make sure that's not the cause, and if it is, then the treatment is slightly different. Still antibiotics, just a different antibiotic. So okay. Also have to make sure we don't forget about that part. Okay. Okay. Thank you for taking us back a step or two. And 
I made, you know, because my mind, immediately I was trying to remember certain things that I wanted to ask again for urinary tract infection. The chronic pelvic pain is coming from what now? For the most part, the bladder. Right, okay. But, of course, there are various organs within the urinary tract. You've got the urethra, um, which is basically the tube where the urine comes out before it exits the body. You have the bladder, which basically is the sac that holds the urine until it actually is expelled. You have the ureters, which are the tubes that bring the urine from the kidneys to the bladder, and then you have the kidneys themselves. So urinary tract infection can be an infection anywhere along that line of four organs, if you will. Okay, thank you so much for taking us back um, to that. I have another one um, that they're saying will cause chronic pelvic pain, and that's IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Yes. Um, So when evaluating someone for pelvic pain, uh, of course, I've got to keep in mind it could be coming from, it could be a gynecologic issue, like the very things that we talked about and some of the other that we have touched on yet. It could, certainly could be a psychological issue, like the depression that we talked about. Also, I have to remember it could be a gastrointestinal issue, all right? Um, so the pain being felt within the pelvis can certainly come from the intestines. So as I said, the intestines are one of the organs that are within the pelvic region. Um, so it's not necessarily just irritable bowel syndrome. It could be something like um, ulcerative colitis, if you will. Um, so various conditions that can affect the colon and or rectum can certainly present as pelvic, um, chronic pelvic pain. And also, as I said, endometriosis can also attach itself onto the um, intestines themselves and cause pain there as well. So that's where one of the gynecologic issues causing an issue with the GI system itself. Now, irritable bowel syndrome is something that we diagnose based on history. Um, there's not necessarily a specific test to do for it. In reality, it is a response to stress. It is involved with bloating, diarrhea, essentially, and pelvic discomfort as well. It <clears throat> comes and goes, and as I said, a lot of times it's in response to stress, so that would be IBS. One of the causes, I wouldn't say it's one of the major causes of pelvic pain. Certainly, you have to look at other causes within the GI tract as well. So. If I'm thinking it has to do with the intestines, I am referring that person to a GI doctor to take a better look. And wow. also may end up beating a colonoscopy at that point, um, which also brings me to this point. Now, for people of color, it is recommended that we start um, colonoscopies at the age of 45. Now, I come across a lot of physicians who may not necessarily be aware of that difference in ages for colonoscopies, because usually I'll say you start colonoscopies at the age of 50. That right. is the case. But for African-Americans, it is 45. 
So people have to be aware of that. Ask your doctors about that. They, I come across a lot of doctors that don't know that. Mm, Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that caveat. All right. Forty-five for for those people of color opposed to the fifty. Because I have to tell you, I don't know if I've heard that. I know I heard the fifty. But I don't know if I've heard the 45. So thank the you. The race for are hiring African Americans. You start five years earlier. Wow. Okay. Listen up. So if you've crossed that, you know, crossed that 45 year old line, and you haven't, then you need to start inquiring about that process, that procedure. Oh well. Thank you, Dr. Gordon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, you have served to be such a blessing to us here. All right, this is something else we've talked about in regards to um, uh, pelvic pain, but we weren't talking about it in that essence, the uterine fibroids that cause chronic pelvic pain. All right, so uterine fibroids basically are overgrowth of the uterine uterine tissues. Um, people call them tumors or fibroid tumors. They're not cancer. The likelihood of a fibroid turning into cancer is less than 1%, not completely zero, but less than 1%, very rare. With that, um, fibroids cause pain essentially through a mass effect just because you have all this tissue growing inside the pelvis, putting more pressure on. So people will say that they have a lot of pressure. Um, Some people may say that they're having pain with sex. Um, So that is how fibroids can just cause pelvic pain. Some people, everybody's different. Some will have just a few fibroids. If you have one or two fibroids that are about one or two millimeters, I wouldn't even touch that. the way we treat fibroids, we say if it doesn't bother you, then we don't bother it. You can have fibroids, we leave it alone. If it's large enough to cause an issue, as in cause you pain, or even infertility for that matter, then that would be a reason for us to go after it, take out the uterus, or take out the fibroid itself. Um, but everybody's different, so the treatment would be individualized. Okay, okay, okay. Hmm, we're moving on to, now I don't know if I'm saying this right, Levator Syndrome? Levator Syndrome? Oh, come on, you going to really do that to me, Pat, um, <laughs> Gordon? Really? Oh, my goodness, you didn't even say it like, I feel sorry for Stephanie who's saying, who has really jacked up this word. Ah! <laughs> Levator? Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Levator syndrome is not something that I come across a lot, uh, so that's not really something I would really, really touch on very much. Okay, okay, okay. You said Stephanie jacked that up so bad, we won't even talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Problems. That's also on this list, uh, Dr. Gordon. 
Yeah, so public support issues are not really going to cause pain so much. And when they're talking about public support, it's more of the ligaments and tissues that hold the uterus and vagina up. So what that actually is going to manifest in is uh, essentially pelvic organ prolapse where, and this is usually somebody who's later on in the years, and by that I don't I mean just the elderly, but could be somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s um, after having had children, especially heavy babies that have put a lot of pressure on um, the organs. Um, and the ligaments essentially have lost their elasticity. So you have a situation where that uterus is coming out of the body. So the patient may come and say, I have a bulge in the vagina, or I feel some pressure in the vagina. Um, and I'll take a look, I'll put a speculum in, if I can even get one in, and I might see that the uterus is coming out of the vagina. I might have them cough, and that pushes it out even more. So the pelvic support issues are more where the ligaments that normally hold the uterus in place inside the organs, they've lost their elasticity, they've lost their strength, and it's literally just falling out. There are various degrees of it, and it can certainly manifest as pelvic pressure. So what do you do at that point? So, um, of course, it depends on the person's uh, what stage of life they're in. I've certainly seen it as someone who's younger and of reproductive age wants to retain her uterus, at which point it is more a matter of putting sutures and materials to hold the uterus in place. Um, Someone who is done having children, it is more likely that we're going to talk about a hysterectomy, taking out the uterus so there's no longer there anything to fall out and cause that um, pressure. So it all depends on the person, what they desire, and where they are in their life. Now, you were saying before, um, before I, I did ask you that question, you were saying it sometimes manifests itself into something else. Did I catch that right? Which one? This one, this particular um, issue. Uh, did you say it, manif- it could manifest itself into something else? No. Um, for I mean, pelvic mixed- organ prolapse, no, that it's basically just going to be falling out. Um, and okay. what needs to be done is either take out the uterus or tack it up. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. Now... And of course, sorry, um, last thing that can be done is certainly something called a pessary, where we're putting a sort of a metal ring inside the vagina to hold up the uterus so it doesn't fall anymore. Um, that could be used for somebody who's not necessarily a surgical candidate or doesn't want surgery, but okay. there are pros and cons to that as well, of course. Okay. Is that done laparoscopically, or do you have to literally make a, you know, cut? No, the pessary is just placed in the office in the vagina. Um, oh. If we're talking about the hysterectomy, again, um, could be done a number of ways. Could be done laparoscopically with just very small incisions. Could be done through an abdominal incision. Um, it could be done robotically. So 
So there are various ways of doing it. It could be done through the vagina so that there is actually no scar on the okay. abdomen itself. Okay, okay, okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. All right, I have another um, another possibility. They're listing as a for chronic pain, excuse me, chronic pelvic pain. Now, Dr. Gordon, go easy on me, okay? Go easy. <laughs> Volvodynia? All right, so Volvodynia is basically... Oh, I got it right. Yes, you did. Okay. Yes, you did. Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, <laughs> is basically pain of the introitus, if you will. So the introitus is the part just outside the vagina, um, so the vulva. That will happen a lot where just touching the outside of the vagina will cause pain or cause someone to flinch. They're anticipating pain. Um, I think finding the cause to that is certainly a little bit more elusive, um, trying to figure out what's triggering the patient, what's causing it. I think there are various causes um, that can be attributed to it. So you have to see that there is no ulceration, no sort of disease within the... Um, vulva itself um, could be an ulcer. Uh, it could be just um, a yeast infection that's just affecting the skin in that area and causing it to be just really sensitive. Um, the other cause goes back to more psychological issues where there is a high proportion of women who would have vulvodynia who may have had a history of sexual abuse. Um, so that manifests in just that hypersensitivity in the vulva area. So again, that's where the mind is actually affecting the body. So we have to remember that part. Mm, okay, okay. So we're back to the psychological side of these conditions. Correct. Um, oh. Now, sometimes, you'll, depending on someone's history, um, if I go to do a pelvic exam, they very well may be anticipating pain. And nobody says that a pelvic exam is the most comfortable thing in the world. But everybody handles it in their own way, some a little bit better than others. Some people are able to relax through and tolerate it. Other people are not able to at all, um, no matter who the examiner is and no matter how small their fingers are. Um, and that really stems from that person's history, what they've experienced through their lives and what they essentially are associating contact within the pelvis, contact in the vagina with their past. So someone who's had a traumatic past in that regard will tolerate a lot less to the point where just touching it will certainly have them clenching up and to the degree where they may even have pain. So okay. something else to look into and consider, and there's a lot there. Okay, okay. 
There's a couple of things that I want to stay away from today because I think it's going to be a loaded um, topic, and I want to actually talk about that in a couple of months, God spares, because we do have the the hormone uh, topic to talk about next month. But if we can, we have a couple of minutes left without... Go, there's two areas. I want to talk about the um, the pelvic inflammatory disease, which segues into quite a few other um, questions and areas that we're going to need that hour for. And I want to talk about the different cancers they're listing here, you know, that can also be kind of like a trigger to, you know, getting yourself checked out. So we're going to hold that for couple of months, but one of the things I do see here, and you'll let me know if this one is loaded as well, is pelvic congestion syndrome. They're saying that could be the cause of some chronic pelvic pain. Is that loaded, Dr. Gordon, and we need to kind of hold on to that one too? Uh, Not so much loaded. I think I'll answer that one fairly quickly and then turn us back into the PID issue. I think that's important to talk about. Um, pelvic congestion syndrome is not something we see a lot, um, certainly something that you see sometimes written on a report from a radiologist after having done um, an ultrasound or an MRI or something like that, where basically they're saying that the veins within the pelvis are just full, and that's where the congestion is coming from and causing sort of a fullness or pain within the pelvis. Um, how much I see that, and I don't see it very often. I think I've seen that written once, maybe twice in my career thus far. Um, okay. So I can't say that's really a major cause of pelvic pain. Um, okay. That's pelvic congestion syndrome, basically, which is congestion within the, mm-hmm. the vasculature. Um, now, how would that get even? How would that even happen? The con. Um, you know, like you said, something happening in the veins in the pelvic area, on your pelvis. I, hopefully, I am. I'm not sure. It's not something that we see or look into very often. Okay, because you don't even think about veins. Of course, you have veins everywhere. But again, you know, our <laughs> finite minds. You know, we're not thinking of veins in our pelvis. You know what I'm saying? It's like that stuff just doesn't even cross your mind, which goes to show you there's so many things that go on with your body that you just have no clue that even happens. So to even hear, you know, um, there are veins in your pelvis and they can become clogged, if that's, if I'm saying it properly, and now that Basically. causes congestion. And now, you know, as rare as it is, it still can be, you know, the cause of some discomfort or pain in the pelvic area. Um, Again, you just don't even make an association with the two, you know, um, some vascular. Because isn't vascular vein? Yes. Okay. That can also be arteries, but yes, vascular. Okay. It's like you just don't even make the connection of, you know, there's a blood flow or, you know, veins or things like that, you know, um, there. Um, this can you, we're, we're at the end of your little minute here, which is, 
you know, we just blew through this hour, and I don't want to talk about the PID because I'm looking here, and I'm like, boy, this I have a hundred questions. So if I have a hundred questions on my own, I don't even want to know what the rest of the listening audience has. Um, but if you want to kind of wet our, you know, wet our taste buds, you know, for uh, you know the next time we talk about it, you can if you want to. All right, sure. I mean, yeah, that certainly is something that we do need to talk about. Um, PID is pelvic inflammatory disease, um, which basically is various infections of various organs within the pelvis. Um, So it could be something like endometritis, where it's um, inflammation of the uterus itself. It could be inflammation of the actual tubes. Um, And it could be have manifestations outside the tubes and into the pelvic wall itself um, where there are adhesions or scar tissue holding certain things in place. So there are various causes um, and various disease entities that are held within this one category of pelvic inflammatory disease. So certainly something to talk about a little bit more later on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, How would you sum up everything we've talked about this morning and maybe some of the things that we really need to mention versus some of the things that should not cause such an alarm? I would say if you're having pain, see your doctor, period. Um, Because we do have to take a history, we do have to do a physical and probably run a few labs just to get an idea of what we're dealing with. Um, And the causes are so vast that it's best to just make sure you see your doctor in order to get that evaluated. And then from there, we'll figure out which direction we need to go into. Um, And I think that really is my message with regards to just about any issue that comes up. Just make sure you actually speak with your doctor and see your doctor as opposed to talking to your friends or seeing, taking a look at Dr. Google. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Those two things right there is something that I always push. You know, stop. It's okay to, you know, Google something, but when you make this your doctor and you don't follow up with a literal live doctor, this is dangerous. This is really dangerous because we just listed, what, six or seven things here today that were possible causes. And as you heard me bring these areas up, Dr. Gordon was able to say, okay, you know what, yeah, and no, not so much, or we don't really see that very often, blah, blah, blah. But, again, you know, this is one of the reasons why, Dr. Gordon, I've been, you know, wanting to have someone such as yourself on this broadcast because, again, you know, we we listen to everybody else, we listen to what other people tell us, and we make that, you know, the 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 uh, the, the end all and be all. And when we when we're blessed enough to hear from people such as yourself who actually know, you know, then that helps us 
and get to the point where we need to go further. Like you said, there's all types of, you know, questions that need to be asked and answered. Not only that, you got a couple of minutes here. Please just talk to our listeners, men and women, about finding out your family history. How vital is that? It is very vital. Certainly one of the things that I ask for when I'm taking your history is like, um, are there any medical issues that run in the family? Um, so somebody who has a family of colon cancer, for example, that affects how that person is going to be treated. Because if, say, you had a mother who was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 50, um, then that means that we would likely start doing a colonoscopy at the age of 30. That certainly changes how we would treat you and how we would start screening you. Um, as opposed to 45 that we say for the African-Americans or 50 that we say for everyone else. Um, somebody has a history of breast cancer in the family. Um, that also will affect how they're being treated. So family history is certainly very important as far as taking care of your health and making sure that we screen for all the issues that can possibly affect you. Absolutely, absolutely, you know. And 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 ask those questions. You know, a lot of times we're not asking our, our mothers or fathers or, you know, uh, grandmas or, you know, great aunties. Or, we're not asking those questions. And when we fail to ask those questions, then we, have, we fail to have the proper answers for a Dr. Gordon or any other doctor who's really trying to treat you. So really, those are the two things that I've been trying to really nail, um, Dr. Gordon. Please give our listeners um, your contact information so they can reach out. So I can certainly be reached uh, via telephone at 301-543. 0046. Um, I can be reached on Instagram at D-R-G-O-R-D-O-N underscore cosmetic surgery um, and via email D-R-G at V as in Victor, B as in boy, surgical, S-U-R-G-I-C-A-L, arch, A-R-T-S dot com. That's Dr. G at vbsurgicalarts.com. All righty. Dr. Gordon, thank you so very much. Boy, we've got some vital stuff out the way today, and we thank God for you and your willingness to just come on and share all of your, you know, little now the knowledge, the great amount of knowledge that you have, clearing up a lot of, you know, of our questions and, you know, cloudy areas, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you very much. I pray that you do too, and everyone else listening. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Wow. Man, that was heavy. I don't know how heavy it was to you all, but, you know, again, God is just amazing. 
you know, we were on with our, our sister Gertie Gordon last week. And, you know, boy, do you realize how blessed we are? I got our girl, uh, Tamika, on the line, and I want to chat with her a little bit about some of the stuff that we just got finished talking about. Let's say good morning. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning. Happy. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Monday. That's right. Monday. That's right. Let's get that good morning. morning. That's all. <laughs> Let's start all over again now. I got thrown off. I got all thrown off. I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me get it again. Yes. Monday, Monday morning. Good morning to you and everybody listening. (laughs) Oh, now that is a Tamika good morning for Mondays. I was like, wait a minute now. She's talking about some good morning. No, I'm sorry. Do I have to take her back so we can get our correct Monday morning jingle. Oh my goodness! How are you today? I am well. How are you today? I am like, I don't know about you know when everybody else is listening, but when I'm listening to these experts, yes, I'm calling them experts because we give that title and label to all the other people out there. When you know we are so blessed to get this information, and especially when things are being clarified. You know, you you always hear, you know, like I said, we always play telephone, and, you know, before you know it, you start off with one piece of information to me, and you end up with, like, this loaded list of stuff, and half the stuff is not even true, or it's kind of off, you know. But to hear, you know, all of these little tidbits about what's going on in our pelvic area that could possibly cause this pain. What's one of the things that stuck out for you? Um, I actually I was enlightened because um, when we are talking about the colonoscopy, I was under the impression as well that you didn't need to get it until after fifty because that's yep. what we were told. That's and right. so with that being, I was just like, wow, you know, so. You know, I'm kind of delayed, if that being the case. Well, eh, I, I got time. <laughs> no, I don't. I should have gotten it years ago. But now that I know, when you know better, you do better. That is right. the best way that I can say about a lot that he said today. Like, I was amazed about a, a, a couple of things. But because you, you gave me leeway for one, that's where I am. <laughs> no, come on. Let's talk. So that Okay, so that's one because I'm going to stick a pin in excuse me, in that one as well, because like I said, you know, to him, I said, I've always heard 50. Now, because I have, you know, abdominal issues and stuff like that, my doctor, you know, we, we've we gone that route. But, you know, def- and we're going to come back and we're going to, I'm going to have him talk about that more in detail about, you know, getting that colonoscopy and things like that and how that could definitely, you know, help with your gynecological Issues, you know, but I too was like, wow, 45. Nobody puts that information out there, you know, so we can know. And like you said, how many of us are delayed from, you know, lack of knowledge? You know, didn't the Bible says my people perish from lack of knowledge? And look at this right here. This is a prime example of what we're talking about. What else was something that stuck out? 
depression. Um, you know, I, I understand that the body, you know, like God was amazing when he made the body and, you know, um, you figure, oh, well, it, it has nothing to do with my mind or my emotions and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and in actuality, it all plays a role, you know, um, other things, you know, I, I can't wait to, to hear more information, um, about things like fibromyalgia, which, you know, also affects the mind, not just the body, you know, um, because uh, a dear loved one of mine, you know, actually loved ones of mine share that, you know, and what it does to the body. Because a lot of times when you're dealing with people who have fibromyalgia, you have absolutely no idea what they're going through. You know, they're in chronic pain, you know, and it also affects the mind, you know, and so right. when you're saying depression, you know, and you're trying to f- figure out, okay, well, my stomach keeps hurting or my abdomen or that right. area keeps hurting, but, you know, you go to the doctor and the doctor's telling you nothing is wrong, you know, right. and um, it happened to a dear loved one of mine. They gave her, they automatically gave her medicine for depression. And she's like, but I'm not depressed, you know, right. and so, right. you know, um, just, you know, we have to be very, very careful, you know, and not be lackadaisical when it comes to our health. Oh, it's, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. You're not a doctor. Right. You don't know. And it's important to know prior to, you know, you, um, the situation getting worse. You know, it's not now you don't need a Band-Aid. Now you need a whole crutch. Now you don't need a crutch. Now you actually need surgery, you know. So right. we need to take care of our vessels. It's important. Absolutely. And, you know, to to your point of, you know, when you're given, um, when you have one issue and you're given a medication for another issue, like you said, you know, someone's giving you um, medication and you're looking on the label, you know, you're, that sheet that they give you that accompanies your medication and says, oh, this treats this, 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 depression. I don't have that stuff. And, you know, you don't even understand the connection, like you said, to all of these things that go on in our life and your experience and this pain and that pain and this pain and that pain and you know how you feel. And let me tell you something about that medication that you take for depression. Man, that is something that must be regulated, but unfortunately you don't even yeah. know that uh, they don't know and you don't know what the regulation is and they can actually give you something that could be too strong or give you something that could be not strong enough so you're actually Mm -hmm. going either so in other words uh, for those of you who listen who are trying to get and I'll give you a second to talk about that um, Tamika for those of you who may not be catching what we're saying so you you actually you're at a um, some level of depression possibly or anxiety and they give you medication, and if it's not strong enough, now you're severely depressed because it's not treating mm-hmm. what you level you need. Or they can give you something too strong, and now you're at this high anxiety level. You're at the opposite <laughs> end yes. of the spectrum because the medication is too high. So you, you're you not going to know until you actually start mm-hmm. taking this med, and it gets into your system. Because how it starts off may not be how it ends up. So, you know, you said absolutely. So what do you know about this, 
uh, Tamika? Um, I happened to watch it firsthand. Um, um, a dear loved one of mine, um, she had gone to the doctor. She kept talking kept going to the doctor. I don't feel well. This doesn't feel well. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, when you're not you, you know, so right. that was the first sign, you know, she, she kept saying, I don't feel myself and I don't know what's going on, you know, so she went to the doctor and they kept saying nothing was wrong. She went back to the doctor, nothing was wrong. She went back to the doctor. They finally gave her medication for depression. And um, they said to her that she has to take a moment, you know, to allow it to get into her, to her system. Now, right. her daughter and myself, when she first started taking the medicine, we said, okay, fine, give her a moment, you know, to adjust. But because of the medication, she was on that extreme. So she was paranoid. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking, we were sitting in the back talking about something entirely different. And she was like, you talking about me? I'm going, what? Wow. We didn't say anything about you. And we were talking about something that had something to do with something else, you know. Um, and she was high anxiety, like Mm-hmm. I, it, mm-hmm. it seemed like mm-hmm. her eye, high, high, extreme high anxiety. Oh, yeah. Her eyebrows were up on the top of her forehead. And I was like, why do you yeah. seem like you're surprised all the time? You know, right. and, you know, you couldn't talk. You couldn't whisper. You couldn't laugh. You know, um, we were just laughing about something different. And she was like, what are y'all saying about me? And I'm like, wait a minute. I said, sweetie, you got to come down off that medicine because it is definitely taking you to an extreme where you're hypersensitive hypersensitive, hyper-anxiety, you know. So I hadn't seen, I thank God that I hadn't seen the other extreme of depression, but she was just so, you know, you couldn't say anything. And we were literally walking on eggshells because we didn't know what it would take her to, what what, um, area of the mental. So we were almost scared. We were scared to leave her by herself um, Mm -hmm. because she would Mm -hmm. say and do things that wasn't herself. And when you've been around somebody long enough, you know, oh, this is not your behavior. This is not how you react. Even with something simple, you know, the children coming home late, she would, you know, her attitude, her disposition was entirely different. So you have, like you said, you don't know what it's going to do to you until you start taking the medicine. So we said, we plead with her, please get off that medicine. And I thank God that she did. Yeah, it, it, it's a very, I got, as you were talking, I have like tears in my eyes because I remember experiencing the same thing. I remember getting the med, and at first, you like like you said, it was the onlookers that were actually gauging and assessing, you know, what was actually happening because you yourself, you, you feel these things, but you're not associating it with no med. Mm-hmm. And... Like, that's what I said, you know, as you're talking, like, my eyes are, like, watering. I remember being at the pulpit, and I, the, 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 the congregation, they're very chatty, very chatty. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. every little thing they'll talk. So every time we kind of shift in the item of the, of, the, of, the, of the service, they talk. So we get to, like, offering, and now we're playing a song. Instead of them kind of focusing and singing, they're talking. And I remember going like, gremlins, gremlins, gremlins. <laughs> I was standing <laughs> at the pulpit. Oh, my goodness. I was standing at the pulpit going, gremlins, 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 y'all, gremlins. Because the chatter that I was actually hearing was magnified. It was like little things in my head. That were like, so not only were I hear, was I hearing them, I was hearing the little things tap dancing in my brain. 
and it was like instead of the maybe 30 people who were actually there and maybe 15 were talking, it was like 95 in my head. And I remember like, mm. oh, my God, you know, gremlins, gremlins, gremlins. And I don't know. And it just came out. It just came out of my mouth. <laughs> and it was, I'm still like, gremlins, y'all, gremlins, gremlins, gremlins. Because I used to always say to them, please, y'all, please, stop talking so much, you know. We're still in service. Focus, you know. Um, we're just taking up offering. I didn't say we were dismissed. And they would just lean over and they'd be talking. And all of a sudden it was just like this, this magnifier just got turned mm. up. And it was like so many things going on. And there were times when I'd find myself like, like jittery and shaking. And like you said, I didn't experience mm. the paranoia like, you know, like your friend did. But I experienced, again, that level of high anxiety or either I don't be over in the corner crying about everything. I'm like, whoa, no, yes. what the world yes. is going on? And finally, when I got to the doctor, like you heard me say to Dr. Gordon, you know, when I, when I go to the doctor, I'm very chatty. You know, I'm just always always talking. And that was how a lot of the doctors found out what was going on because I just started talking. <laughs> this is happening, and that's happening, and this is happening. And then finally, she was like, okay, it's the meds. And I'm like, it is? Take the, uh-uh, I'm throwing that in the garbage as soon as I get home. And she just would bust out laughing. Because, you know, when someone finally, you know, like I said, oh, 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 here's a better one, Tamika. The girls used to say, you yell at everything. Like, I was on, like, 900 level at everything. She was like, why are you going off? You just, oh, my God, you have no control over this stuff mm. like you like you were describing and to think that all of this can manifest itself also in your pelvic area. You know what I'm saying? It's like when he said that, I was like, whoa, wow. That is so crazy. You know, one of the other things that I'm amazed and, and, and which now makes all the more sense, a lot of times when um, – I do stretches. There were certain classes that I took, you know, and a lot of what we did was stretching the pelvic area and, you know, lengthening and making sure your body is in the right positioning because what we don't realize as women, we carry everything right in that area, whether you're carrying bags. If you're lifting a bag over your arm, ultimately it's going to affect your pelvic area. If you yeah. are lifting your children, especially if they're an age, you know, and that's why when they get towards a certain age, let them walk, you know, and, yep. you know, because here. the other thing, um, lifting, you know, I'm one of those people, I have a tendency, I don't need any help, I'll do it myself, I'm lifting this, and I'm moving oh. that, you know, and I remember, let's think about grandma, grandma used to say, don't you, don't you pick up that stuff, don't you, let a man take care of it. You know, and we, you know, oh, I don't need anybody. And 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 ultimately, again, this is our yeah. pelvic area. This is crucial to us. And so right. we need to be cautious on what we're doing. If you have access to a man, I, yeah, I understand that you can do it. And I'm talking to myself, and I know I'm talking to this girl out there. She out there, oh, I don't need no help. Okay, if you've got access to a man, let him do it. Yeah. For your yeah. own safety and your own welfare, let him do it. Yeah. 
yeah, you've said a mouthful right there. You know, um, we, again, are so independent. We don't want to wait. We're accustomed to doing it ourselves, and it's like, okay, I'll just do it, whether he's or, you know, whether there are other people who can help us carry it um, or not, these bags, these boxes, these items, and we're not taken into consideration, like you said, that we have all of these sensitive areas of our bodies. And how, you know, I remember when I started getting hernias, I could feel the difference in just the little weight shift in a bag. Like I would pick up a bag and immediately I would feel it in my pelvic area, in my stomach, in the lower part of my stomach. And I was like, whoa. But, again, like you said, you're so busy moving, you don't even pay attention to this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. men don't have these areas, you know, of sensitivity um, and vulnerability. And, you know, let them pick up those bags, you know. And not only that, we pick up things the wrong way. You know, just like they say, we bend we do. the wrong way or we stoop mm-hmm. on the wrong way. So all of these little things matter. All of these things matter. Is there anything else before I let you go? Is there any other area um, or any other part of this conversation today with Dr. Gordon that you um, that kind of made you raise an eyebrow? Just all of the, you know, you always think of, Kay, just the, the typical fibroid and, and UTIs and, you know, there's just – there's a plethora of stuff that we haven't even scratched the surface. Like right. we're in shallow water right now. And so I'm just amazed that, you know, there would, and I'm not picking on, you know, your verbiage because I'm sure I probably would fumble all over, but exactly. like, I didn't even, I didn't even know that these things existed. Like what? <laughs> you know? So I was just right. really amazed by a lot of things that were verbalized. Like, you know, and then when you go to the doctor, you know, you go to a health doctor for one thing, make sure that you're going to the right gynecologist or OBGYN because I myself went through things that the doctor, we're talking about a physical doctor, had no, no, was, was completely oblivious to until I went to the right OBGYN and got myself taken care of. So make okay. sure you're looking at, you know, if you're telling don't just automatically just go to a physical doctor. If you have issues that are that are concerned in that region, so we're talking below your bosom and above your thighs, or even sometimes below, you know, like a, within the knee area, because sometimes the the pain can extend down your knees. You know, um, right. so please, please, please go see somebody. You know, if it, if the doctor's not um, giving you what you need. Please take the time and go see an OBGYN to make sure that your your gynecological health is paramount. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining in the conversation today. You know, it's vital, vital, Glad vital. Glad to be a part. Uh, thank you that, you know, we've, we've picked up today. Oh, my gosh, vital stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. You as well. All righty. Wow, what a morning. I tell you, you know what? Like I said, I, I've never been to the type that woke up on the wrong side of the bed, um, as they say. Um, but, man, shaking the Monday morning blues means something else over here 
on his due time with Pastor Steph. We can wake up on a Monday and get just like a plethora of gems that are free. You know, these people, they have gone and done these studies, spent years in school, and now because God has put it on their heart to share it with us. Oh, my goodness. You know, they they just give us all of this stuff that we can now, you know, take to the bank. Uh, you know what time it is? It's the top of the morning on a Monday morning. Let's say good morning to our girl, Shantice. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. That's good, that's good. Before we get started, you know how I have to do you now. What did you pick up this morning from Dr. Gordon? Uh, outside of the depression, now showing signs of symptoms in the pelvic area, and then it makes sense because when you are depressed, a lot of times that's associated with stress, and we know whether personally or from someone close to us how stress takes a toll on your body physically, so it makes sense, um, but still would have never associated that. Um, also, when Dr. Gordon was speaking on, again, the um, pelvic examination and because of the mental and or physical trauma that the woman has been through in her past, it now dictates how her body responds to the examination. That mm-hmm. really stood out to me. All righty, all righty. I mean, how blessed are we to get this stuff for free, man? Oh, my goodness. Amen. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you have for us today? Today I have the switch with Shantice where we make the switch from the streets to our godly seat. And our switch tip 148 is build on good deeds. Now, deeds means an action that is performed on purpose or planned. So if we reword the switch tip with the definition of deeds, it's build on good actions that are performed on purpose or planned. And it's very important that we put the word good in before actions because we're always acting. There's always an action and a reaction that we're doing from the second God opens our eyes in the morning. We don't have to rehearse or plan to do a bad action. That comes, especially if you're the type that is grumpy when you wake up and you don't live alone. So by the time you get up out the bed and you walk past someone, you don't say good morning or you don't reply to someone else's good morning to you. So, And that's on purpose a lot of times. Oh, I didn't say because I'm grumpy. You knew you was up. You knew. And it was brought to your attention already. So you need to uh, keep that in prayer. God, please help my attitude when I first wake up in the morning. Is it something that I'm doing before bed that helps me to wake up grumpy, all that? So take, take ownership. But it's very important that we put that word good in because when we're talking about our actions that are done on purpose and our actions that are planned, we have to make sure, especially as children of God, especially those of us who say we love Jesus, we have to make sure that these actions are good. Now, I've learned, and it was just the Holy Spirit that put it on my heart because out of nowhere for like the past over a year, I've been praying, okay, God, can I do this? But please help it to be genuine. Please help it to be 
um, intentional. Please help us to be where I want to do it because I understand that it's not enough for me just to be obedient. I have to be genuinely obedient. The definition of genuine is to truly, look, truly what something is said to be. I'm sorry. Authentic, real, legitimate as being genuine. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, message version. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauded. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching. Playing to the crowd. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and not drawing attention. That is the way your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. Now, in addition for these four verses, emphasizing why your good works, your good deeds need to be genuine. The part that really stood out to me is that is the way your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. And this past Sabbath in church, you know, I spoke on how I really believe me telling people, listen, you better be thanking Jesus that he's telling me to do this for you because I don't want to do it. So you irking me. I don't like you no more. You get on my nerves or however I would word it. And I would tell him, you better thank God he loves you because if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be doing this. And really thinking that I was hoping God looked good. And it was like, uh, no, because God knew that for those people, he had to work behind the scenes. Like Shanti realized a lot of times who God has you serving, who God has you ministering to. These are people who ain't really feeling him. So now you're putting it out there that he's doing it for them. Now they start resenting him even more and all that. It's like, okay, because you're paying more attention to yourself than you are what God is putting on your heart to do. So it's very important that he's working behind the scenes because he is showing how he is genuinely doing for people. He's showing his genuine good works. So now I'm interfering with his genuine good works because I have to make it known I don't want to do this because you don't see how you turning me off and how you could be turning God off from wanting to do stuff for you. We got to make sure. So I'm not, I know I'm not the only one who said this, but anybody else who says that to people or even to themselves when it's time to treat themselves good, make sure you keep that phrase out of your verbiage. Okay. And this also put me in the mind of Matthew 7, 21 through 23, where Jesus says there would be a whole lot of people coming up to me talking about, Lord, Lord, did not do this in your name, did not cast out demons in your name, did not do that. And he said, uh, no, because you didn't do the will of my father. That goes back to those genuine good deeds, those genuine good actions that are performed on purpose or plan. This is why it's important to follow the will that God has for your life. Because if, if, I'm, if I'm really saying, I, God, I want to do what you want me to do, then I'm going to wait and listen out and watch out for the things that he wants me to do. If it's not genuine and just like in the first set of verses and I'm just looking to look good in front of people, then I'm going to come up with my own plan as to how I can look good in front of people and do those works. But are they really good works? Because it's not what God has for you to do. Mm. Galatians 6, 9, New Living Translation reads, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And this verse really helps you to build your faith. Because this, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That has everything to do with our faith in God. Trusting that as long as we are genuinely doing, like for real, for real, doing what he has told and asked us and led us to do, that he is going to take care of us, that we are going to reap something great because we have been genuinely obedient to him. James 4.17 message version. In fact, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. And I fell into this the other day because I was asked that I do something for somebody, and I was like, no. And I was serious because they had just just something to play themselves. And it was like, it was a no-brainer for me. I was like, no, I ain't doing that. They ain't going to miss that anyway because I haven't been doing it for them in how many years. So they good. And the Holy Spirit got me the other day. Like, yeah, you should have made that phone call. It's not about how they would have taken it. It's about what. So when that person asked me, did you do such and such for so-and-so, that was the ding, 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 ding. And it wasn't on my mind to do it. Not because I was sitting around walking around mad, but it just wasn't on my mind. That was the alert that God was sending me. Hello, you have to pay attention. Ephesians 2, 18, New Living Translation. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So even though it is very important that we focus on doing good deeds and building on our good deeds, we have to make sure we keep in mind that we cannot work our way into God's heart or his favor. It is impossible. There is no such thing. And that's what these two verses just stated. Only thing we have to do is genuinely believe and he takes care of everything else. We have his heart. We have his favor. Even when we reject him, he still loves us. He still gives us opportunity after opportunity, but we cannot work our way into the kingdom in that aspect. So don't try. You're going to fail. James 2.26, New Living Translation, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Again, this is all about also building your faith. There is no such thing, people of God, to claim that you have faith, but you do not follow your faith up with good works, good deeds. How do you know what those good deeds are? Tap into God. Spend time with God. Actually pray. Actually read on purpose. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into your prayer position, into your prayer area, so that he can tell you what you need to be saying out loud to God. So we have to make the conscious decision of making a switch to doing whatever we want to do or not doing anything at all or coming up with our own plans as to how we can look good for God because we're not supposed to be performing for God either. Because performing for God, we usually start performing for other people. And making sure we're making a switch into building on our good actions that are performed on purpose and that are planned by God. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Shantice. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom. We thank you for your contribution into today's uh, episode, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you, too. Thank you. All right, let's uh, jump on in and go before the Lord, holding hands and holding hearts. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, dear God, for all that you have done for us.
We thank you, Lord, for just mm, calling our name, calling our name and allowing us to rise this morning to salute you, to thank you, to give you the glory and honor out of our life, not just to say, you know, thank you for waking me up this morning and putting my feet on the floor. There's so much more that you've done for us, and we thank you, God, for traveling mercies. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for food. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for shelter and clothing and some shoes on our feet, God. We just give you thanks because you're always looking out for us. You're always checking us, and 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 we specifically thank you for that this morning. Those days when you're sounding the alarms, when you're sending up those flags, when the signals are going off and, and we decide, you know, we opt not to pay attention to it, but you still give us another chance. Because the fact of the matter is we do hear you. We do see you. We know it's you. But we just turn and go the opposite way. But still, you give us another chance. So, God, you have proven to be the God of more than a second chance. And we pray to Heavenly Father that you continue to tap in to our lives and help us to understand that if it weren't for you, we would literally be nothing. Thank you so much to Heavenly Father for just revealing yourself and who you are how much you're capable of doing, and how much you are willing to do on our behalf. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you loved us so much that we're still here. So, Lord, as we end today's episode, we want to end with a word of thanks, with a word of gratitude, uh, humble, because you're just marvelous in all your ways. And even when things don't happen the way we would hope that it would or expect it to, we understand that you're still merciful, that it always could have been worse. And we thank you, God, for just turning us around slowly, just helping us to understand all the little things. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for Dr. Gordon. We ask you, God, to just bless his intellect, Bless his learning, bless his growth, God, and that all of these things have been stored up in Dr. Gordon for your people. And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that he's just even willing to come on. But we know he would not have that willing heart if it weren't for you. So, again, we still have to say thank you for all that you do in our life. And we will not hesitate to continue to give you the glory and the honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow, what a morning. What a morning. You know, so grateful to God for all that he does for us. You know, when you, you know, look at this world and you look at the plethora of situations and Options that we have You know, uh, I said earlier Yesterday we were out at City Island And uh, we have our little spot out there That we really like 
And when I tell you it was wall-to-wall people, the line was from the door to the back, and then from the back all the way to the front. And this was the way it was the entire time we were there. The entire time we were there. That line never let up. It never let up the entire time. It never let up. And I'm looking around and I'm like, look at all these people just out. The day was absolutely beautiful. You know, everybody wanted to catch that sun. Everybody, you know, wanted to just be out to just absorb all of, you know, that that just God's wondrous work. And, you know, I have to, I have to really give God thanks because, you know, I don't know how many of you uh, remember me telling the story of because of the abuse that used to go on in my life. I didn't realize that it had put me, you know, in a mental um, state where I hated the sun. I hated the sun. And I didn't realize this for a long time. didn't realize this for a very long time. And I loved when it rained. Everybody else would be, like, kind of dreary and drab. And when I, I, when I saw rain, I was like, woo, out there. I was so happy and I was just the opposite, and it took me a long time. I didn't realize until I had an assignment um, to speak on out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as I was preparing to speak, I actually, you know, was, excuse me, given that, you know, I hated the sun and why I hated the sun. And yesterday... You know, I just gave God glory all by myself for how beautiful it was outside and how the sun invigorated me and stimulated me to want to do more things and it put me in a much different headspace and all kind of things. So, you know, as God is, is moving in your life, you know, a lot of times we don't even realize it, how we've grown. And the same way sometimes we don't realize how we've grown, we don't realize how we've declined. You know, you look up one day and you're like, well, how did I get here? You know, I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, I'm complaining about this. I'm complaining about that. This don't make me happy. That don't make me happy. And, you know, I I wasn't like that. But, like I said, I've gone in the opposite way. But I've also felt, you know, a decline you know, sometimes I've seen where, you know, I wasn't as, you know, it wasn't like this spiral, um, but just that slight movement. And I'm like, mm, that's not good, especially when it felt good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you, you feel good in those real bad places for whatever the reason is. And, you know, it just, I just give God the glory because I stay before God. I have a lot of things that I need to work on as with everyone else, but I stay before God, you know, when it comes to who I am and, and what I'm doing and paying attention to the stuff that I do and, you know, always asking God, are you happy 
with what I'm doing? Are you happy with the things that I'm saying? Are you happy? You know, or God, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking like this or I'm saying it like that and I notice that I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. And I, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I, I'm always before God like that, always asking God to check me. And, you know, for those who, you know, I don't like change and, you know, I, I don't get that. I don't get that from supposed godly people. And I say supposed godly people because one of the things that the scripture tells us is, you know, that there will always be change. And, you know, it's just, you know, for old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. So it doesn't say that the new stuff is going to feel good. It doesn't say you're going to be happy with the new stuff. How do we claim Jesus, but we don't like change? That is just so cockeyed to me. Because we're supposed to, you know, marvel and enjoy and give God thanks that he's bringing us into this level of newness. Now, I know it may not feel good. I don't, don't think that I'm saying this is going to feel good. But where's our faith that says, you know what, God, this may not feel good. But because I know that there's this change that's taking place in my life, and, and I know that at the end of the day that all things work out for, for, for those of us who love you and who are called according to your purpose, how can I not embrace change? If I'm trusting the very God I say I serve, how can I not embrace change? I don't care how that change is going to affect me. I don't care how that change is going to make me feel at first. Because I have to trust God and my faith says that although I might be a little uncomfortable with it now, that I know if I stick to it, because I know this is what you want for me. I know we're not moving into 2024, but I'm still living in 2004. And I don't want to make this change because I'm, I'm looking at this world and I'm not happy with, you know, well, why can't we leave it the way it was? That's not God. Because God evolves. And God is a God of change and newness. And if we say that we are his people, then come on, let's embrace that change. It might not feel good, but God should always feel good. Ooh, I like that one. So come on. Let's make it happen. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off. And I want to thank, oh, Pastor, not Pastor, I'm going to keep calling him Pastor, Dr. Pierre Gordon, for all of the knowledge and wisdom that he has shared with us this, us this morning. Thank you for hanging out with us and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your life in the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, where it's Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. Until then, God speaks. I 
love you. 